0: Hello, people of the world, and welcome to today's episode of the Unity Project podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, the Unity Project podcast is one about the relationships that we have with our bodies. Today I got to interview a new friend of mine named Luke Weinstein, who was also in the San Diego area, also with a golden retriever, so we are basically twins. Luke had a really incredible story to share about his journey dealing with ADHD as a little kid, being prescribed Ritalin, and what that did. He kind of talks about it in a way of saying that his personality was taken away from him and he was kind of felt forced to be like everyone else and learn like everyone else and there was just a lot to that story that I had never really thought of before and it sparked some interesting conversation about the educational system and how the one size fits all thing does not work and Luke had a really cool perspective on that because he was a Special education teacher for the past 18 years, so he definitely has some thoughts and some experience in that matter. We talk through that and then we end up getting into his yoga journey, his surfing, and how that has really brought him into connection with his body and meditation, breath work, all the things. Luke is an incredible guy that I'm so happy to be able to share a story with you. I'm bummed because Full disclosure, I was in a bit of a hurry towards the end of this interview because I had a telehealth doctor's appointment. Love that, but I was bummed because there were so many more questions and so many more places I wanted to go with this conversation. So we are hopefully gonna be doing a part two to finish up. I have so many notes on what he said and questions that I wanna ask because like I said, I am curious. So anyway, enjoy part one of our conversation. How is it going over in my side of the country, San Diego?
1: You know it's really nice to be here in San oh. Diego. We're very blessed.
0: <laughs> yes, we are. Oh my gosh, when I found out that you are from San Diego and also have a golden retriever, I was like, this person is my brother. I need to talk to him all about it.
1: Totally, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's very, very cool. Well look, do you mind giving our uh, listeners just a quick little like description of who you are, what you do, and then we'll jump into all the good stuff? Sure.
1: My name is Luke Winston. I'm 44 years old. I live in North County, San Diego. Um, I am a co-founder of an online breathwork business called Our Breath Collective. Uh, I am a founder of my own um, brand of uh, relational meditation and embodied meditation uh, called Inner Echo. Um, I teach public yoga uh, in, at several studios in North County. Um, and uh, I'm a surfer and um, I have a Golden Retriever, and um, <laughs> yeah, and I've been here in San Diego for um, 20 years now.
0: 20 years, that's so cool. Can I ask, what kind of Golden Retriever do you have? Is it a American or English?
1: <clears throat> he's an English cream Golden Retriever.
0: Oh, that's what my my soon-to-be sister-in-law and brother-in-law both have English creams. They are just two big polar bears, and totally. it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're very, he's so affectionate and very calm. And oh really? Yeah. He's not too big. He's not you know, he's like a kind of medium size and he's six years old. His name is Rupert and um Rupert. he's he's a love.
0: Oh that's so cool. We have we just got a, a puppy. She's I think like almost five months now. She's an American, so she's like a dark red ball of just energy bubble and her name's bennett and she just is absolutely nuts so it feels encouraging to hear that maybe eventually she will chill out like rupert did yeah
1: well they're family no matter what the golden retriever breed is just such a such a loving such a loving creature
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So cool. Well, Luke, I am so stoked for you to be on the show today. Like I was telling you earlier, um, I found you when I searched the hashtag embodiment on Instagram and really, really liked the stuff that came up about all the things that you do about like yoga and meditation, breath work, all the things I feel like I can benefit from and whoever's listening can benefit from as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah, do you do you want to start off by telling me uh, to describe, or describing the relationship that you have with your body?
1: Sure, that's that's a big question, I guess. Yes, um, it is. It's a good way to start. Just diving um, it, right in. It, the, uh, this this body, uh, this home has been this um, this environment of this ongoing and evolving awakening for me, um, and I can call it. I can very confidently call it. This home now after um, many years and many experiences and many kind of dimensions of dealing with it in interesting ways. Um, and I guess if you want me to start at the kind of beginning, I can tell you what it was like when I was a kid and some things that happened.
0: Yeah, that would be awesome. Dive into
1: um, that, cool. Yeah,
0: what happened then? When, when did you feel disconnected, I guess? Like what was the foundation?
1: Yeah, I, I grew up in Northern Virginia. I'm the oldest of four. I um, and my my parents are still married. They're they're totally wonderful, awesome people. Um, and uh, but in the in the early '80s, in the mid '80s, um, I just had a lot of energy as like a seven, eight year old, and I was the oldest. And they really no, didn't know what to do with me. And so um, I I they they took me to a specialist, and that specialist did a barrage of tests on me, and then decided to tell them that I had um, attention. Uh, Deficit Hyperactivity um, Disorder. So, um, and then her solution was to have them put me on Ritalin, which they called my medicine. And uh, I was on this this substance, Ritalin, which is, um, you know, it's essentially it's a speed drug. It's a speed pharmaceutical. Um, and I remember being in you know third grade and fourth grade and fifth grade, uh, and being and having and taking it. Um, my parents would would administer it to me in the morning before I went to go to school. And then there would be a second dose that was in my lunch bag and always in a plastic baggie as a plastic baggie. And um, a lot of times I wouldn't even take the second dose because I wouldn't have an appetite, but I would be keenly aware that I felt very different in my body and this kind of speed instead. It had such a weird effect on my eight, nine, 10 year old body. You know, I just, instead of being all, like awake and active, and, and in my personality, it stripped me of my personality, and it made me like hyper, single pointed focused. But in a way that I felt like locked into that focus, and almost like, as I look back, like almost obsessive compulsive with any activity that I would be tasked with, especially school based activities. Uh, but then I'd come back from like each school day and sort of feel like um, like a like a robot that had had its battery completely drained. And part of that was because of the appetite suppression that happened, and part of that was because I just felt like my personality was being taken away and I actually remember even like sitting like at my desk in, in the in the Catholic you know elementary and middle school that I went to and and having that that substance kind of coursing through my blood and feeling like something is up here and I sort of feel really good because I was kind of high from it you know um, mm-hmm but i also knew like this isn't how i normally feel this isn't the normal way to feel you know this is this substance creating this impact on me and um so for for many years i was you know my my parents would give it to me and there was a period where they, they learned that i was like not taking it cuz i didn't want to take it and i argued with them about it but then then i got into you know sports i was i played basketball and other sports and um I always found that when I wasn't on the and I was able to kind of be really in the game like and in, in the flow and when I was I would just be kind of like locked up into my head and not really super as present as I would be um, otherwise so by the time I was in like late high school I sort of had a confrontational time period with my parents and I just said like I can't I'm not, this is, I don't want to take this anymore um, and they, they kind of let it go and they let me not take it and then you know, high school was, is an interesting time for all kids, and I can say that because I've just exited uh, a career as a high school special ed teacher of 18 years here in San Diego. I just resigned um, uh, just this past summer. So I know what it's like for kids in school, and I remember what it was like for me. And um, But at least I felt once I was, you know, like my later part of my junior year and my senior year in high school, not taking Ritalin and Adderall, um, I just at least didn't feel so gross by it and i started to re-establish this connectedness to my body you know um and then by the time i got to college um i went to college in in charleston south carolina um and i started lifeguarding um, when i was 20. Um, and we had all these like regiments that we had to fill out weekly um like you had to run, you had to do CPR, you had to go out on the paddleboard, you had to do like rescue um, exercises, things like that. And uh, I started to get really fit and be in the sun a lot and started to paddle on a paddleboard and started to paddle out on the longboard. And this is South Carolina, the waves aren't like big or anything, but um, enough that they're rideable waves. And so I started surfing um, at when I was 20 and um, I just felt like I was using my body to do something that was so cool and connected to like you know force like nature um and so that's when i really started like to to develop this like love for being in the body and it was super cool and fun and and i could use it for fun things and i felt that inherent connectedness to it um where i had a lot of i think this is important to say that i in the body i still had a lot of questions about what is this whole thing you know what what Why am I in this suit? Like, what's the point? What's, is there something more than this? Is there, from my Catholic upbringing, is there God? Is there Christ? Is all, is all, is all that real or is all that shit made up? Um, You know, and um, so the next kind of stage of, 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 I guess my evolution with the body was I moved uh, to mainland Mexico where um, I lived for almost a year and uh, the waves were really good there and I knew. Um, I don't want to live on the East Coast again. I want to live where I can surf year-round, which is what uh, prompted me to move to to Southern California. My youngest brother was going to a college in Los Angeles, and um, I had gotten my credential, and and I interviewed with schools in San Diego, and LA, and Santa Barbara, and I got hired by um, a school here in San Diego, and um, that was it. So I moved here, and once I was here, uh, within a couple years of being here, I had a colleague who was a teacher at the school I worked at with, and we were supposed to surf after school one day. And she said to me, um, "Hey, you know, the, like the wind was bad and the waves weren't that good." And she said, "You should come to yoga with me." And I think I literally responded, "Like, isn't that like for pregnant women?" You know.
0: And oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I just
1: had no idea. And she goes, "No, it's like a, it's like all these guys go to it. It's a surfer's flow class. You love it." And when she said that. Like, the surface flow thing, I was like, oh, okay, I'll check this out. And and I think it's important to say, like, I liked to work out. I liked to be active with my body, like, running and, and running a bike and surfing. But I didn't never really like to go to the gym, you know? I never liked going and, like, just doing exercise to, like, try to make my body look a certain way. It was more like I had realized that once I was lifeguarding. Like, my body feels good when I'm active like this, you know? And that's yeah. what was – that was, like, the real – Value for me is like my body feels good. It feels good to be in this body, you know And um, So we went to yoga and I had this experience with 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 my friend Lacey is her name with Lacey in yoga and the teacher was this guy named Jonathan and Really sweet human being and um, I don't know. It's the way we were moving and breathing and and stretching and And it was kind of a vinyasa type class um, And I was sweating so much sweat coming out of my body and um, I, don't, I just felt like this is this this there's something really potent here, and I want I want to incorporate this as a part of my life. This feels different than a workout, but it's also a workout. It feels deeper. It feels you know more in tune with like the way I liked my body to feel. I remember walking out of that class and literally feeling like euphoric. My body felt euphoric. You know, like every cell felt like it was dilated and open. And, wow. Yeah. Um, so i mean i think the reason why i told you all of this stuff to lead up to this point is to say that like i within a couple years um i had a couple of experiences with yoga and with breathwork in a yoga studio where i just decided like this is i want to study this and i want to because i was already a teacher and i thought like this could be a cool thing that i could teach on the side um and so i started to do yoga trainings i did a uh, I, I, my first kind of generic yoga training, and then like a 200-hour vinyasa training, and then that led to uh, a year-long training in a school called Anusara, and that just kind of opened up this like it was like a kid that walked into the arcade and was like I want to play <laughs> uh, like I want to play every game you know of all the schools and styles of yoga, um, and so the only thing about that was that like this year-long t- training I had done really stressed alignment and awareness of alignment. And the way that you can use like muscular contraction to create boundary and safety in your body as you're stretching, and then I started doing these other approaches like with different teachers, um, and I spent some time in New York City with a couple of, of well-known teachers, and you know I was practicing ashtanga and jivamukti, and and with this guy named Dharma Mitra, and, um, and all these different uh, styles, and really started pushing my body to see what my body could do, you know? Um, and not thinking about the repercussions of pushing my body. And then, you know, my that, that psychologist, psychiatrist, that her name was actually Patricia Quinn, I remember that from when I was a kid, um, she wasn't wrong about me having like an excessive amount of energy, which I did, and I kind of, it's sort of balanced out now that I'm in my 40s, I think, but I had a lot of energy in my teens and twenties and thirties. And, um, you know, I just didn't ever stop being active and like doing trainings and actively practicing and surfing whenever I could and socializing with people. And, um, and then I started to notice in, uh, it was actually in the year 2011 and the year 2012, I started to notice that my back, my low back would be very like locked up in the morning. And, um, I use yoga asana. To get it to kind of like open up and not be so locked up, and I'd be okay. Um, but I was really pushing my body in like doing back bends and doing kind of contortive asana, and not thinking again about like what what would what does this do for my body in 40 years, you know? Um, and uh, I started to have like really kind of sort of severe back stuff happen. Um, where I started to have sciatic nerve pain down my left leg, um, but I still didn't stop. I still wasn't listening to my body, and I was still being really active and pushing it because it did feel good to push it. It did feel really alive, and and then I'd be in it at night, and my back would hurt. In the morning, my back would be stiff. I, I couldn't like, wake up, and I'd walk funny for a little while, and it would gradually open up. And then I had a couple of incidents where things actually happened where I did... Um, aggressive backbending in New York City uh, in November of 2012 and um, in a certain posture I just felt my whole left leg go numb when I was like kind of dropped back in a drop back backbend mm. and, and when that happened I knew I'd done something serious to the, the structure of my spine I figured and I got an MRI done and, and in fact I had bulged a couple of discs in, my, in the lumbar region of my spine um, but still I didn't I didn't stop and I started to use ibuprofen like in large amounts like two to three thousand milligrams a day of ibuprofen yeah heavy just to just to stay ahead of the pain and to be able to stay in my body and remain active because i really liked the lifestyle i had you know um yeah you know and i just wasn't i didn't have the capacity or the skill or the wisdom to listen to my body and what it was saying at that time and um uh, I, this went on for a couple of years, and the back pain got really, really, really bad, to the point at night where it would be like a throbbing, you know, really in, insane, keeping me awake. Or I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and it was just like searing, screaming, and inner pain. And it always felt to me like there's something deeper than just physical here happening. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, like, like, like to to cut to the chase of it, in um no in early November of 2014, uh, I had a event that was kind of stressful. And, and, and I've noticed that the way I felt stressed out about the event, um, my back pain got totally inflamed and almost like I couldn't even walk during the event. And then, and I knew it was like, it almost felt for about a month. Like I was kind of dragging a, like I had a chain, like a steel belt and a chain attached to it that was just dragging a boulder everywhere whenever I'd walk. Oh gosh. Yeah, it was, it was quite pronounced. And then, um, and at this time, by this time, I was doing all kinds of methods to try to get it to be fixed, like chiropractic work and different approaches with massage and acupuncture and, and and so many different, different things, you know, and nothing was I was looking really outside to get it to get fixed instead of being with it, you know, and a lot of people told me like, oh, your back pain will get better when you can really be present to it. And I would think to myself, like, be present to it. What do you mean? It's like it's always here. How can I not be yeah. present to it? Um, but I, uh, but it was really that like seeking external outside, like fix this for me to get it to go away, you know, and not listening yeah. to it that was happening. And then, um, so that, that weekend in early November of 2014, I had that event and I woke up on that Monday morning and I think I was really restful Sunday cause I knew my back was really bad, but that Monday morning I woke up and I stepped off my bed and it felt like I stepped onto like an electric jolt of pain and oh, I knew God. like, yeah, it was heavy and I knew like, I can't walk. Um and uh I went through a, w- a two week period um where I was for the first full week I couldn't get out of that uh, the bed that I was in except I think I, would, I was able to go into the bathroom to, to go to the toilet like two times and it was that severe you know and it was like a full collapse of my identity um and I thought that I had done something to the discs that were were gonna re- require like a spinal fusion or something like that and I honestly thought, like, maybe I'll, I could be in a wheelchair from this. Like, I might not be able to walk again in my life. And so I went through this sort of dark night of the soul with my back and uh, my body as a whole, you know. And it was almost like my whole body had failed me. And I would put so much money into, like, studying different approaches with yoga. And I didn't want to give up on that because, you know, I mean, I loved it and I believed in it. And um, during that time frame, I had this experience one night where I woke up kind of in like the middle of that two week time frame where I woke up and I just had like it was almost like I was able to go with all of my awareness and all of my being to this place, this couple of discs in my low spine and almost communicate with them in a way that I went there and I just kinda said like, okay, I surrender. Like I get it. You're gonna do whatever you're gonna do and I accept that now. And it was like it was as if as if they were a rubber band that had been that had been pulled to its limit and continually pulled, like it felt like it was going to snap, you know. And and it was like once I went there with my awareness to it and had this conversation with it, it was almost like a light from this this dark place kind of shone on it, and it was like that rubber band finally started to relax and go back the other way. And um, yeah, why don't I pause there for a second? I've been talking
0: about. Yeah. That. Wow. I have so many thoughts. I've been taking notes throughout your whole entire story of like the topics you're going through and all the questions I have. Cause first of all, I just want to say like back pain in and of itself, I think is like one of the absolute worst pains that I know I have felt without even going through anything near what you're talking about. So I can't even imagine what that felt like. And I guess the like determination that you had to push past it because I can relate to that a lot of like my body's in pain but I don't like just give me something like you said external to make it go away so I can keep going and doing what I'm doing and just kind of like push past that and find these like quick fixes and then what that person said to you about how your pain will or your back pain will go away when you um are present to it that's so powerful because like I mean understanding what that really means like like when you did is just it's so it's so hard and it's so i guess like revealing about your relationship with your body and about how you respond and about who you are and like what your identity is there's just so much to that so yeah, big time i just yeah i wanted to <laughs> say that but uh, if you don't mind can can we go back to when you were a kid for a second i have sure. a couple questions for yeah, you yeah please um, so you were talking about how you had ADHD and your um, you were prescribed Ritalin. And just to make sure, I don't know a ton about Ritalin. Is that pretty much like Adderall, but like more intense? Yeah, I guess it true?
1: was like the first kind of first drug that you know in the '80s that came out um, like Adderall. It was before Adderall. You know, okay. Adderall was like the the next level of it. It's a uh, meth uh, methylphenidine. I know it's a you know it's in that family of speed specific substances
0: okay so because it's not used anymore right
1: really? I don't know I have no idea um, I, as a teacher I didn't see Ritalin I saw Adderall and I saw another it wasn't Weld and I can't remember the name of it but you know these Stratera. Stratera is the one the new one
0: Okay, I got you. Yeah, because I've I've talked to some people who've ended up with addictions after stuff like that where they talk about... That's, like, I think the only time I've heard Ritalin talked about is how it kind of was, like, a gateway into things like meth, which I guess makes sense if that's somewhat of a category that it was in. But um, I can just imagine being a little kid and having this big personality and this big energy, which is, like, at its core a really beautiful thing and being told, like, this is almost like too much so here's this thing that you take to take that away what did that feel like like as a kid how did you how did you how do you remember understanding that and taking that information
1: well I you know my my dad is, is a is an academic and um um he's incredibly intelligent he's a, he was an infectious disease pediatrician um at Georgetown University Hospital and um there was pressure. You know. My dad wanted us to do well in school because that, that was the pathway that he came up in. And that seemed to be the pathway to you know, going on to a good college and determining what we wanted to do with our lives and everything, as me and my siblings. But the, the reality is like, what happened with the Ritalin was it felt like this, and I can only say this now, I didn't really realize it then. Prior to the Ritalin, I recognized what was happening with me academically was I was just bored to, bored to death by school stuff. I was not interested in what I wanted to move around. I wanted to be active, and yeah, I wanted to be engaged. And I've always learned better by being like actively hands-on engaged, you know. And um, the the traditional school that I went to, it was like I had the same twenty other twenty-two classmates from kindergarten through eighth grade, and um, so I knew everybody really well. And it just was the school part was boring. The academic part to me was always boring. And then once that Ritalin came into my system. It felt like there was um, something that assisted my focus and my ability to concentrate. Even if I didn't like it, I could muster up the, okay, well I got to do it because this is like, uh, this is apparently all there is. This is what I, this is where I'm at, and this is what I'm being, what's being asked of me. Um, you know, so it kind of like, um, in a in a false way, made me try to like school you know and i i I mean i remember like almost like in in the most fake way being like liking science and liking math and i always actually liked english i liked writing and i liked telling stories because that was a component of like sharing personality and 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 being expressive and being dramatic and being creative you know and um but the other things that were in art too was super was always super into art and super into PE those are like the areas that I was down with it if there was like an extended period like let's go but um yeah. you know Makes yeah so that, so that's kind of what I did I never really thought about it like like I wasn't at that level of awareness at, at that age where I, where I was able to see like this robs me of my personality you know and mm-hmm. um but now looking back in hindsight, yeah that's what it that's what it did
0: yeah i I just I feel so much for that because I have a lot of thoughts on and I'm sure I'm sure you do too about just the education system and whatnot and how I mean it's changed and grown in a lot of ways, but I just think that there's so much to be said for um, different kids learning styles and different kids like um just different abilities. Like, everybody learns differently, and everybody takes in information differently. And, like, I guess going into the whole... Even just talking about, like, standardized testings, like the SATs, and just using that to measure someone's intelligence, using someone's ability to, like, sit down in a chair and listen to this topic that every other kid has to do. And that... Just the fact that they use that to make a kid... Or, like, show a kid, like, this is how good you are, in a sense. I just... I have a lot of issues with that. And I, I, like I said, I'm sure you do too, especially like being a teacher for, you said 18 years?
1: 18 years in public public high school.
0: What are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh. Well my thoughts are I had to get out of it. I resigned you know I, yeah. it was it was for a long time I didn't want to be in the public school system anymore um, because it does have such a one size fits all and I was working with a population that did not fit into that one size fits all yet there was still this push to get them to fit in that model and in fact, I know that there is this whole agenda that is going to further that as the intent of like no we're going to make this happen that these kids are going to fit in this college bound college readiness pathway instead of going like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute let's open up like alternative courses let's bring like actual engaged wellness as a part of education into it none of that's ha- none, that's not really happening on a large scale in public schools and so what's happening is that especially since like the time with covid and the amount of time on screens and everything i mean it's just like it's 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 very even almost difficult to talk about cuz it's so broken you know
0: yeah oh my gosh you know? yeah. was that a big factor of why you had to get out of it you felt
1: you know it was sort of like for me like the last straw it was really necessary the way that the whole covid thing happened because it really put in my face how i felt about it and how it felt to be in the role and i felt that i just was in this chapter that i needed to end that had ended a long time ago but i was stuck on the last page and mm. Reading each sentence very slowly to get to the final place where I could turn the page, Um, yeah, you know. And um, but yeah, the COVID, the COVID time, and going online, and you know, at least when when I was in the room with 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 like you know, eighteen or twenty kids, I'd have one environmental uh, control where I I had this like cubby where they would put their phones that was on the wall, and I heard a podcast about that about the psychology of not taking their phone from them. But Saying when you come in, you show me your phone, you put it on airplane mode, and you put it in your cubby so it's there for you if there's like a fire drill or if there's like an earthquake or or god knows what else might happen because the whole active shooter drill thing is something that's practiced in schools. And yeah, you know, I, at 44, I didn't grow up with that. Columbine happened when in when after I graduated from high, high school, but um. So, like, just the whole psychology of, like, you don't you don't have to give me your phone. You're not surrendering anything. I don't want to touch your germy phone, kid. You know, so, <laughs> so put it on the wall in the cubby, and it's there for you, you know? And um, the cubby was by my desk, so it was, like, in a zone where no kids were going to steal other kids' phones. So there was, like, that environmental factor, and it was, like, once I got the phone away from the kids, then I actually could, like, work with the the mind and the and a little bit of the body of the kids. So I brought a lot of mindfulness and breath technique into everything I did. Um, and uh, it still was like, once we went to COVID and it became everything online, and then uh, the district I was in, we, re- we returned in person in March of this year, but it was like this concurrent model where we had to teach uh, through the computer, even though kids were in the room and they had computers up and they had masks on and they had these like, you know, plastic blockers to keep them in their own little zones and not spread COVID. Um, and it was just so in my face of like, you, you can't do this anymore. You this doesn't have the kind of impact on the world that I want to have, you know, with, with yeah. sharing what I find to be really important, which is really individual, you know? And. Oh yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. There, there's so much there to be said. And I, I'm really interested cause you're, I think the first, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry to whoever I'm forgetting in my head, but I'm pretty sure you're the first teacher that I've interviewed and Ah, kind of heard the perspective of that. And I think it's so cool now seeing that you you're still a teacher, but like with other things, like another outlet with yoga and breath work, etc. And I don't know, I just think that like so much of what I am passionate about goes into like learning about the individual versus like everybody as a whole. Like what does somebody need like what do they need and like them having the wisdom to know what they need like you as a kid if you when you were given the chance to listen to your body you knew you were bored you knew you needed something else to keep you to keep you engaged in stuff and instead of listening to that you were given um given medicine quote medicine that just changed you into seeming like you had to be like everybody else instead of listening to actually what your body was saying i just think that that's so there's so much wisdom in that story in itself um so so later you're saying that you uh, you started surfing and that's when you got into kind of feeling more in your body and then you moved to mexico and ended up moving to you said mexico right not new mexico yeah no
1: no uh, yeah mexico well I, i lived in a town called puerto Escondido, which is in oaxaca Uh, and and the waves there are world renowned and very powerful um and very good very very amazing surf um and uh yeah that that was a real game changer because it was like the pacific and it was like this alive ocean that was powerful and potentially dangerous and you know um a whole different animal that i started to swim in so yeah yeah
0: That is so cool, and that makes a lot of sense how that would really put you in your body, knowing that, like you said, there is some danger, and I have to be aware, and I have to be present. Um, That kind of feels like... So I used to do equine therapy, and it kind of was like a similar idea of you have to be present because there's like this herd of 1,200-pound animals around you that you need to pay attention to what's going on, and it just makes sense. Um, But so later on, you talked about how your, your back... I want to talk more about that about how you sure. kept moving and I'm I apologize if I f- seem like I'm rushing there's so you're much that I want to uh, talk you're all about good, I'm like, "Oh, I have a doctor's appointment in 17 minutes." Wait,
1: I do want before we go to my back, let's go to that next. I do yeah. want to just bring one thing up about what you kind of got at with and we've sort of circled around this whole uh, concept of like the value of in- individuality yeah. in the body. And so my my bi- my online business, our breath collective, we don't have our own method of breath work. We share different breath patterns and protocols and what we incur, and we we do them from the nervous system perspective and um, just so it's spelled out for people. It's an online platform. It's a subscription model. We offer a live breathe Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. That's about a 12 to 15 minute uh, experience for people and um and with a wide range of variety of connected breathing patterns and practices with a we have something like 21 facilitators now that are teachers for us but one thing that's amazing is if you look at the nervous system and how it it, it classically would respond to a certain breath pattern that's important to know but what's more important is that people try, try on a breath pattern and determine how that works in their own experience and this really gets people kind of in tune with their body and their their own unique individual body because what what if we did is the same breath pattern right now you and i jackie uh the exact same volume and pace and length of time and number of breaths and holds at the bottom or holds at the top or whatever we would both have inherently different reactions or responses to it inside of our own experience you know and and i believe this is true and this is one of the benefits of having been a special ed teacher and seeing like that how very differently every single kid learns it's the same thing but you know we have to develop some degree of autonomy and knowing what our what works for our body and what doesn't and this is why Stepping into this realm of teaching and sharing this stuff that I, you, I literally instruct it and say, like, this is yours to do with and determine and to use on your own based on how you respond to it. And so this whole approach of individuality, I think is like it's it's invaluable.
0: Yeah, no, that that's really cool. I actually was thinking about that when I was um, uh Doing your your yoga course that you sent me before this, I don't know if you said it's what it was when you were doing it, or if it's something I was reading. But something about like the really the really quick breathing is that like is that called lion's breath?
1: There's there's lion's breath. There's kapalabhati. Yeah, um, where you're kind of breathing like like exhaling, kind of pushing the exhale out. Yeah. So I, I open classes with that a lot. Yeah.
0: Okay, so my experience with that. Is it makes me feel like I'm having a panic attack. Mm, okay. Is that common or is that just like a thing that you would be like, oh, that's individually my experience and then here's another experience? Or what would you say to that?
1: Yeah, I, I would say that is common because it is a sympathetic dominant uh, breath pattern, right? So it kind of sends us into fight or flight potentially. Um, and, you know, fight or flight can even go further into like a freeze response in the nervous system. And, um, so it, it, it's it's not a surprise that people might feel some anxiety come up because there's sort of a a, a loss of control of the breath um, by by in, you know putting that pattern into into place for a hundred breaths or something like that. Um, some people feel like it builds like some heat in them. Some people feels like uh, it could make them a little bit lightheaded. There's all kinds of responses, but I wouldn't say that it's a surprise to hear that it caused somebody some degree of anxiety.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'm so curious about this different breath work because I like, like I told you earlier, I've done lots of yoga videos on YouTube and been to various yoga classes, and there always is an element that they have about breath, but I've never really focused in on it. And so, when I was reading about how that was like such a big part of what you were doing um and how that you have I was reading your Instagram post and you wrote, um, where is it here? Uh, one key to feeling alive is remembering that we have a life, and that the indicator of that is that you're breathing. And that really stuck with me because I was like, that it's just said so beautifully and poetically, and there's so much truth behind that. What got you into like the breath work of it all? Like, tell me more about that.
1: Wow. Okay. So this is a interesting story um i always found that when i once i started practicing yoga there was something about not just the stretching but using the breath as a tool that got me deeper into stretching internally almost like i was bre- i felt for a long time before i ever did any trainings i felt like i could tap into this experience Inside of my physical experience, I felt like I could tap into this energetic experience where I was stretching into the boundaries of my physical body's being of the space of my physical body right through the breathing, and I definitely felt this expansive contractive current that would kind of, you know, like two fish swimming in tandem that go back and forth between the inhale and the exhale and that's actually you know, classically, if we look at what's called pranayama, which is essentially breath control, um, we look at the two sides of the breath, the inhale and the exhale, and the inhale is that, known as prana, which is expansion, and you can even feel it right now. If you take a breath in, it's like your body gets inflated, right? And if you take a breath out, it's like that 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 spaciousness inside of you almost squeezes out like you'd squeeze toothpaste like, you know, when your toothpaste tube was empty. If you went really deep into an exhale, it's like you're gonna get that last little bit of toothpaste out. That's how the exhale can feel, and that's the contraction. Um, I then started, uh, well, a couple of years into my you know yoga journey, um, one of my first teachers invited me to this, what she called, small potluck breath experience thing. And so I went to her studio on a um, Saturday night, and um, this is not like 2004, and she had this woman come, and this woman is named judith kravitz judith kravitz is actually one of the kind of like titans of breath work and um she's been around since the 60s she's one of the bigger names with a couple other people like um like leonard orr and um uh, stan groff and they've created their own methods of, of of breath pattern that can elicit a very powerful trauma release or trauma processing or uh you know birth trauma processing or deep healing or digging out of trauma. There's all kinds of uh, intentions behind why these people have created these certain patterns and their methods and everything. So I went and we did this breath practice with breath breath experience with Judith Kravitz. And I mean, to tell the whole story, you know, one thing when I recognize that when I do tell this whole story, I, I hope that I don't put Uh, expectations in people's minds. Um, So I won't go into like the whole story, but basically we went into a breath pattern. There was like a dozen people in the room. We went into a two part inhale pattern and an exhale. So it was almost like a beat, like the queen song. We will rock you, you know, like the, like the, like, and so the breath was like, (sighs) 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 so belly, chest out, belly, chest out, right? Like that. And, um, This was a continuous pattern. Everybody was laying down. Judith had a couple of, like her son and another guy that were like her, you know, like kind of guardian workers going around, checking on people. And and, um, I just heard people around me start to have these experiences of like emotional release. And she had told us to be aware of that. And um, as this was happening, I felt like I was safe in my own like little energetic cocoon. But I felt my whole body start to do this like. Like an energy started to move in my body, my hands became completely contracted, um, uh, and they started to kind of curl inwards. Um, and uh, this is known as tetany. Um, I started to feel like my whole body was like buzzing with energy. You know, like my lips were buzzing, my space between my eyebrows was buzzing, and then and then I'm hearing all these experiences happening around me, screaming and crying, and I'm, I didn't really. I felt very secluded and untouched by it all, and. Um, And then somebody came over and was over me and they kind of like on my exhales, they pushed on my chest and I had this energy released from me that felt very ancient. And it was like this lion's roar of energy that was so deep and so old and so powerful and so known too. And once that happened, I don't know, all I can explain is that I do know, but the best way to explain it in summary is that my body felt like something that I could let go of and I did let go of it. And when I let go of it, I was able to literally go in the, up into the ceiling of the room and look down at myself and everybody else. And I saw a couple things with, a couple people I knew happened that I, that I later asked, like, hey, were you like sitting up during the breath thing? And were you like overhelping like this person? You know, like, and, you know, those were affirmed by these people. So I was like, well, that's really interesting. And then essentially I went into like a, a realm, you know, that was like light. It was, all I can say is it was like a light that I didn't fully turn around and get received by because I knew from the draw of the light that it was such a source of power that if I went and turned around to it, that whatever was familiar to me, Luke, you know, was gone. Was I wasn't going to want to go back, you know. And um, and it felt honestly divine, you know. It felt like I went into an angelic divine God realm and had this, like, experience with God's source creation life life force energy that it was like i just i walked into the room and and i walked backwards into its room and it was like there and to, and totally made itself known to me and known as me and i started to turn around like as if i was turning around to look at it even though there was no physical body at this point um mm-hmm. and a voice literally said to me like you've you've come far enough today and it really like you know validated a lot of these deep questions i had about like what is this whole thing what is like why do we live you know like what is love what is what is death why do why do we live and die and what's the purpose of life and is there more am i am, am i more you know and um so when i had that happen and it was like you come far enough i kind of knew like you're right okay that i'm coming back you know and um and i went back into the room and went back to my body and when i got into my body it was like um it was just like gross it was like getting in mud you know it was like it was like being naked and slipping into like really like a like i've said this before when i've told this story but it was like getting into a bathtub full of shit Mm. that's how the body felt you know but then like this really pronounced peace came over me um from the knowing i had experienced with this source energy and um yeah and um finally i kind of was able to get up, and I was the last person to get up, and I went back to this potluck, and uh, I mean, it was such a powerful experience that a few weeks later, I decided to try it on my own at home with like candles, and I started to, um, I started to go into the breath pattern, and I started to have the experience of the sensations coming on, and I kind of felt like I freaked out, like what am I, what am I entering into? Is this safe to do? Like, and so I, I kind of bailed on it, and. It was such a powerful breath technique that nobody was really utilizing or talking about in the yoga world. And at this time, I started to really study yoga and study yoga breathing practices. Um, and uh, for many years, I mean, for five or six years, no, I, I remembered the the, the breathwork pattern. J- Judith's method is called transformational breathwork. And I remembered that, but I was kind of still like skeptical of like, ah, that's like a heavy space to go back to because there's a lot of stuff that is in this body and in this experience and in this life that is, you got to work through to get to that place. And I don't know. I mean, I think breath work started to get really popular in the past 10 years. And, um, and I found an, an opportunity to do another workshop, um, in like maybe 2012 and I did it and, you know, had like a similar kind of experience, not as, not as pronounced, not as divine, but like a major relief and release of emotion. And, um, and then once, you know, once I'd done enough yoga training, I kind of felt like I wanted to start sharing connected breathing or conscious breathing patterns, like breath work patterns with people in yoga. And so in like 2015, when I started to share this with people, um, yeah, people were a little bit like, what is why you, this is like hyperventilation. And so if you misinterpret it and you're really pushing, it can be it can seem like that, you know, Um but when you learn how to do it in a way where you converge like your mind and your breath and relaxation, which doesn't mean that you lose intensity, but that you're able to relax and do intensity and discomfort, a lot of really powerful stuff can emerge and can get worked through and processed. It's been, mm. been my experience with breathwork.
0: Okay, that, that's such a powerful story. I bet that that just brought up. So many questions. You strike me as, like, a very, very curious person. Yeah,
1: I have Would always been. you say been. that's... That's very true. I've always been very curious.
0: Okay, that, <laughs> that reminds me... I've been told that about myself before, and it's, like, the most um, accurate depiction I can say of, like... Like, have you ever taken the... Or learned anything about the enneagram?
1: Yeah, I know about the enneagram. I'm a seven.
0: Okay, do you, you're a seven. Me too. Okay, um, yeah. that makes sense. We're yeah, seven.
1: Totally nice. <laughs> the
0: best number. No. Yeah.
1: <laughs> kind of. I, <laughs> love I mean, eight's it. pretty good too. But you know,
0: eight is is that your wing? Because that's my. Well, wing. my
1: birthday is eight seven 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 August oh, seven wow. seventy seven. So yeah.
0: You've got you got all those two numbers right down on lock for yeah, you totally <laughs> very cool well luke i am so bummed i'm gonna have to um i have so many more questions and topics i want to go through would you ever be interested to- let's in do, do it again
1: of- let's let's put it I'll put a pause on this and do another conversation jackie i love talking with you about this and i love how okay. i can feel how uh you're into it and um i'm yeah. stuck for more questions i'm sorry i've been talking so much
0: Oh, no, that's the point was for you to talk so much. So thank you for talking <laughs> sure. so much. Um, I'm sorry that I have to cut us off. I'm so happy that you are interested in doing another interview. I was about to say, um, I'm sorry to put you on the spot. We no don't worries. have to put this part in, but.
1: Let's great. do part two. I think it'd be great. And we can get into like a lot more happened from the back injury after I healed from it. Um, very powerful shit in the past seven years has happened with my back, with my body, period.
0: Okay. Um, that's well, worth I sharing. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, well, let me just to, to wrap this part up, let me ask you my one last question that I ask everybody, and then I'll ask you another version of it next time. But, okay. Uh, Luke, would you rather, uh, everywhere you go, you have to balance a surfboard on top of your head, and everybody um, can see it? They think it's cool, but they don't know why you're doing it. And you don't really know why you're doing it. You just have to walk around with a surfboard on your head. But it's like a conversation piece. People ask you questions. It helps you make some random friends you wouldn't have made before. Or would you rather everywhere you go, you have to ride on a luggage cart that is playing uh, jazz music all the time on the radio of the luggage cart. And that's just your transportation everywhere.
1: Oh, man. That's such a good question. (laughs) I
0: know, that's the best one of today. (laughs) Oh
1: my God, today I'm going to say that I would be in the jazz jam because I do jig jazz. And I think it brings a creative lightness, funkiness to like any situation, you know, so... Give me, give me, give me the John, John Coltrane, (laughs) Miles Davis cart. Let's do that. Oh, amazing.
0: What, what color would your cart be? Like, Uh, how would it be decorated?
1: I'm going to tell you right now that I can just feel that it would be like, like, like a dark blue. Okay. Okay. Are we talking
0: like a midnight blue? Yeah, kind of like like a midnight blue. blue. Yeah,
1: Yeah. with some stars in it.
0: Cool, cool. Well, Luke, thank you so much um, for sharing everything that you did today. How do people find you? Where do you want to tell people to go?
1: Great. Um, People can find me. My personal page is um, LWZen on Instagram. Um, My uh, website is innerecho.com, I n n e r. E-C-H-O dot com. And then my, um, my breath business that I'm a co-founder of is Our Breath Collective, O-U-R Breath Collective dot com or at Our Breath Collective on Instagram.
0: Okay, amazing. I will put all of that in the show notes below. So, whoever wants to, you can go check them out. Uh, definitely go follow them on Instagram and try out some of the yoga stuff that I was doing this morning. It was really fun. But cool, Luke. Well, we will be in touch uh, Hi, and Jackie. schedule another time, but we'll talk about that later. Thank you very much for joining me today. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day in San Diego with Rupert. You know
1: <laughs> it. Thank you so much, Jackie. Look forward to talking to you again.
0: All right, bye bye. Okay, bye. If you guys are enjoying the Unity Project podcast and you want to support me and get more involved in what I'm doing, then you can go check out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash JackieGTV. That is where you can support me for as little as $1 a month. Or if you'd like to learn more about my story and how I got... From there to here type of thing, then you can check out my book, Finding Home. If you want to pick up a copy of that, then either send me a DM on Instagram or check out my website. All of that information, the links will be in the description box below.